we made a way from you know from the bottom of the league let's say we have the league based system in hyderabad started from the bottom i think uh, we were in the c division or whatever we started from there and then we climbed our way up to be like we said various categories of uh, levels of cricket mm. school cricket league cricket then we started playing for a year division of it for which i couldn't find the time to pursue it longer right my brother went on to play he played for hyderabad he played first class for hyderabad he played south zone I went around got some lab tests done then you know, the lab test came back the doctor <coughs> called this was, this was his uh, exact words he said you are taking time bomb i'm surprised you're still on your feet wow <laughs> wow <laughs> so i was like shocked what are you talking about i mean he said all your numbers are through the roof i mean they're the wrong side of the mm-hmm. <laughs> spectrum and then you have to you know do some corrections for you to you know see things in a better light mm-hmm. that came as a turning point you know and that's where i started my association back with sport <laughs> i am venki a working professional in it as well as an amateur masters athlete and a coach for endurance sports You are listening to the Working Athlete podcast. Here I talk to working athletes from all walks of life and experts from various sports to provide you with inspiration, training tips and lifestyle advice. If this is something that interests you, I have a small request from you. Please subscribe to the channel on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also let me know what you like and what you would like to listen to more of by commenting in the comment section on YouTube. I promise to do my best to improve with each episode and bring you the best content that helps you and me get better each day. This episode is brought to you by The Bike Affair. If you are in search of a one-stop destination that caters to all your cycling needs, our today's sponsor, The Bike Affair, is the perfect place to check out. I have known the founders of The Bike Affair, Krish and Gokul, personally for nearly 15 years now. In fact, my first century ride was with Krish back in 2008. They are both exceptional human beings and entrepreneurs that believe in providing exceptional service to their customers and it shows with over 14 years of experience the bike affair has established itself as a trusted source offering honest advice and exceptional service they are offering a special treat for the listeners of this podcast you can enjoy a 10% discount on your first order by using the code bikeywinky on their website so if you are in hyderabad visit their store in kondapur or if you are anywhere else in india shop online by using the link thebikeaffair.com i will leave the link in the show notes now enjoy the podcast hi murli hi vinky welcome to the working alert podcast thank you for having me so murli uh, first time i saw you it was in 2018 the right in we were riding together correct yes correct Yes, I was actually, you know, very curious and we spoke about yeah. it and you also had a very interesting journey uh, 
into endurance sports. So oh. I wanted to use this opportunity. Now we are in Thailand, riding <laughs> together. Uh, yeah. So I thought we'd uh, catch up and yeah. uh, capture your journey. This episode of working with In six years, I mean, again, we're bike riding together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let us go back to and uh, talk about uh, what is your relationship with sport growing up? Uh, you've always been a very sporty kind of a family. Hmm. We have been uh, in and around sports at home, at school. Sport was almost a way of life. Yeah. I mean, it was, even though it was uh, cricket and uh, we are always at the grounds. All this up till the school level was very, very, say, very active school life. Yeah. And then uh, both me and my brother both were very active uh, cricketers. My brother took it to a different level. And unfortunately, after school, I couldn't uh, devote much time to sports as such. Mm. And all the, the usual things happened. College happened and then career happened. Sports took a backseat. So when, when before we move on from cricket, let us talk a little bit more in, you know, about that period. Uh, what was it like you know, as a kid playing cricket uh, little seriously and to what level? I think district levels and all yeah. these things will be there, right? What what level did you play in? I mean, uh, based on Hyderabad, cricket was like, you know, almost a way of life for us kids and those days. And uh, it was uh, serious cricket. I mean, we used to train in the morning, 6 o'clock. We used to have those camps. We have something called, uh, ground called Jimkana. Mm-hmm. That's where most of the summer camps used to happen. So six o'clock we used to be there. <clears throat> and during holidays, it used, there'd be camps even in the evening as well. So 3.30 again, we report back to the camp. So, you know, it was like twice a day, we were out in the playing. And then on the weekends, we had matches. Saturday, Sundays, all, you know, matches and sometimes Sundays had matches. And we made away from, you know, from the bottom of the league. Let's say we have the league-based system in Hyderabad. Uh, I started from the bottom. I think uh, we were in the C division or whatever. I started from there and then we climbed our way up to various, like you said, various categories of uh, levels of cricket. Mm. School cricket, league cricket. Then we started playing for a year division of it. After which I couldn't find the time to pursue it longer. Right. My brother went on to play. He played for Hyderabad. He played first class for Hyderabad. He played South Wales. Nice. Yeah. So he took it a bit further. I couldn't unfortunately do it. Right. So, uh, at once you got into studies and then mm-hmm. career, how, uh, what sort of yeah, activities were you doing? So, even, then, during, even during the college days, there were activities, but not as planned or as uh, frequent as right. it should have been. Mm-hmm. There were this usual, uh, there were cricket tournaments, of course. And then there was the early morning badminton and those kind of stuff for and uh, it should have been regular, but you know, 
certain other priorities keep coming and you know things were like uh, always growing you know mm-hmm. so it was difficult to <laughs> continue the same uh, level of intensity across all kinds of act but we, we were in touch till almost in college but uh, the touch was lost once you hit the career so once the job and the career and everything started sport was yeah. lost right so <laughs> what what was the career for? i did my mba then uh, i started my career basically in brands then i shifted to telecom 25 years i've spent in telecom i mean this is right from the time when telecom was launched all the telecom licenses were announced right. yeah yeah things yeah i mean the first brand which i worked was is not there anymore it was called bpl mobile actually Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. People mobile. Yeah. So it was uh, very, very busy period, you know, since it was launch of an entirely new industry and uh, new product as such. It was, uh, I mean, time just flew by, you know, you didn't have uh, a minute to think of anything else. Correct. Least of all sport, you know, it was like uh, totally lost in all the Azilan Bazil sometimes chaotic you know product launch event launch i mean it was like you know how telecom was you know yeah. every week there used to be some kind of a launch or some, i mean those days i'm talking about those nokias and you know ericsons and all yeah. it was so busy i mean life just forward uh, <laughs> marriage happened kid happened mm. i mean all milestones kept happening but sport uh, always was uh, lost yeah. which was in uh, retrospect it should not be in way because but i mean life didn't give you time to do anything else you you wouldn't even have the time to think it sit re- exactly, retrospect yeah. right i mean i'm talking about 12 hours 14 hours working days i mean yeah. once you're done then there is yeah, no mind space left to think about anything else yeah. yeah so then uh, i mean during this your career took you to the Yeah, it did actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like I said, telecom days were very busy, and then uh, there was a small kind of a, what do you say? I wanted to take a break from telecom because the Indian telecom was, you know, kind of like we said, it was always hustle and bustle and chaos. Then I got this opportunity in Middle East, mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi, especially. A former colleague of mine had already joined there. the abu dhabi based uh, operator called it salat so he was like you know the chaos is less here maybe you don't have to spend so much of energy what you're doing there though maybe you'll get time to do something else so why don't you you know give it a shot right so he was right mm-hmm. so i went there for a year it was much more peaceful and you know much more regular paced uh, mm-hmm. work there so it was like uh, you could find time to do something else as well i mean your mind was free of the clutter to find you know to find or think about doing something else. right and uh, so once you got there and got a bit uh, a little bit more uh, time and energy uh, is that when you got back into sport how how did that happen it, uh, yeah i mean like all <laughs> it was again a midlife uh, Mm-hmm. crisis I would say, and uh, I mean I was still not very uh, 
leaning towards you know doing anything yeah, they are still being lazy you know right. i was still not you know the inertia right once yeah. you get into that i you know i was still being lazy and not being very serious about uh, anything else and life so but what happened was one summer my wife and son had left home for a holiday. i had nothing else to do so i thought okay let me go get some medical tests <laughs> so i got i went around got some lab tests done you know and now the lab test came back the doctor <coughs> called me this was this was his uh, exact words he said you are a ticking time bomb i'm surprised you're still on your feet <laughs> wow wow yeah. so i was like shocked what are you talking about i mean he said all your numbers are through the roof i mean they're the wrong side of the mm-hmm. <laughs> spectrum and then you have to you know do some corrections for you to you know see things in a better light mm-hmm. that came as a turning point you know and that's where i started my association back with sport right <laughs> so which year was this uh, this would have been uh, 2007 okay okay yeah, i was in my late 30s mm. so been 2007 right and then so was it like also uh, your weight also an issue at that oh time? yeah i had uh, i was at my highest ever i was around 86 kilos at that time mm. okay so over the years you know so much of uh, Sedentary lifestyle, eating, bad habits, everything had you know combined to push it to the edge. Right. So and now you got this uh, kind of uh, shocker from yeah. test, and doctor said you are a ticking time bomb. <laughs> yeah. So what uh, steps did you take to kind of you know post correct from there? Yeah, I mean, those days you didn't have uh, access to. social media and you know don't have access to trainers or i mean they were there but they were like you know very few here and there and they were at a much higher level and they were not uh, accessible accessible and stuff like that then you had to do your own uh, planning then luckily i had my brother who was already you know he was in a bit of uh, he continues carry in cricket so he had access to various trainers and What's his name? His name is Sridhar. Mm. Ah, Sridhar. Yeah. So he was a Delhi in Bangalore at that point. The national cricket academy. Right. So through him, I got in touch with a few trainers, and uh, and they said you can start with this. And then I first went to the gym. Then I started controlling what goes into my body, what I put into my body. Mm. That was the biggest part, which had to be etc. Right. So I started focusing on that, and then. Slowly, slowly, you know. It, uh, every Sunday, my wife used to. There was an Indian social center there where my wife used to go and teach various uh, subjects. So after dropping her, I used to go for a walk on the. We had something called the coordination of the Vivera. I used to go for a walk. So I started walking there. Then when I used to see a lot of the, you know, Europeans, especially running, you know, up and down, it just caught me intrigued. You know, why are these guys running like this? <laughs> So one of the day, one one of the days, I started, you know, trying to keep uh, pace with one of those runners. So I just I remember it was a woman runner. I tried to keep pace with her, and I think maybe I would have jogged half a kilometer, and then it was like uh, I couldn't tell him. Right. So that kind of uh, told me that maybe I should try this, maybe you know, a bit more serious. Mm. Then I started going there every evening. So I started running, you know, kind of. Uh, Bit more, 
I gave, gave myself a little bit more time to slowly progress beyond a kilometer, then two, and then three, and then one day on one week, I was running five. Hmm. So that bug caught up. Right. Then I looked around for certain running clubs and then joined a few running clubs and then five became ten, ten became half, and half became four. So I ran a few marathons. Nice. All this happened uh, between 2007 to 2017. Ten years, I had a good running life. <laughs> So let us let us uh, you know talk a little bit more in, about that running life, but uh, let us touch a little bit and spend a little bit of time on the uh, what you were putting in your body in terms of food yeah. and stuff. So what uh, you know do you remember what changes you made that kind of helped you on that you know lose that extra days? So like like you say, I mean. Uh, at, Various points, you get to read various uh, papers on, you know, what is good for your body. And uh, I mean, once you start focusing on what is, for example, for running. So what is good for runners and what, you know, you start reading books, you start reading blogs, you start, you know, seeing videos and stuff. So after the way, I mean, the way what I found my found for myself is that, you know, there's, there's no one perfect way. I mean, each guy has got his own, each body is different. Correct. So I tried a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say diets, a lot of ways of eating, you know, or what you put into your body. I went from no carbs, I went to, then I went to no sugar and, you know, I did uh, a lot of those. But one thing what worked for me is anything in moderacy used to be sodium as well. Anytime I overindulge, I used to find the difference. So, I mean, I stayed away from the bad stuff for sure. Mm. I mean, I was not eating pizzas or burgers and all that. For a few years, I didn't have any sugar intake at all. Mm. I was off all kinds of sweets, especially the Indian sweets. I used to avoid it. Mm. I avoid it. I used to avoid it. But then, you know, once in a while, I used to have an ice cream or a chocolate, which was, which was okay, which was yeah. still my... And uh, during this year, during this time, I remember I brought down my weight from 86 to 68. Wow. But it yeah. took some time. Right. It took some time for me to find out what is right. It was a gradual yeah. process. What yeah. suits my body and you know. Yeah. At the same time, I couldn't afford not to you know do my running. Yeah. I needed my energy to keep up with my running life as well. Right. So it used to be. It took some time to find the perfect mix. Yeah. I mean, I was not so great with supplements and all that. Whatever macros I needed, whatever they call it, I used to get it from my regular food and wife. What my wife used to cook and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was fine. Right. So, uh, when when you kind of, uh, when your running was going steady yeah. and when you were doing well in running, yeah. uh, what was your typical diet? I always used to have a good breakfast. Mm. And because lunch was mostly at work and lunch was packed from home and then lunch was a bit uh, carbs and low veggie and stuff. Dinner was always very light. Dinner, I used to end up with some, you know, most of them maybe a smoothie, which I used to have uh, all that kind of nuts and stuff and a bit of yogurt and all that mixed with a bit of protein here and there. I used to supplement it with it. And generally that's how it was. But breakfast was the most important meal of the day. This time I used to have a good breakfast. Nice lunch. So I was still at work, so a good lunch to just to supplement the breakfast piece. And then the dinner was always very late. Dinners were late, but you said uh, 
you uh, used to have a good breakfast. What yeah. what uh, was the typical? See, the breakfast was uh, typical South Indian kind of breakfast, which I used to prefer. Idlis or dosas and stuff like that, or you know, once in a while, oats of or something like that, which used to give me required fiber and carbs. On the weekends, it used to be the weekends when generally we have the long runs and the long, you know, the training used to hit a bit of a high. high. So it used to be different. I used to eat more carbs and stuff. And uh, one thing which I made sure during this, I earlier we used to have weekends where I had this weekend nights earlier. Mm. Out with friends and on social. Right. Those things got cut off completely. Right. So your social circle yeah. kind of. Said. Most of them were not happy with me, but uh, the weekend socializing got uh, completely affected and got cut off and it almost became, became zero at one point of time. Mm -hmm. So that also kind of helped. So yeah, if if I kind of want to summarize, you say, I mean, from what you say, it is it appears like a normal diet. That is not in nothing like spectacular in terms of you know controlling too much and all that. It's just maybe lighter dinners, uh, typical uh, South Indian breakfast, typical uh, South Indian lunch right. with more veggies, but light uh, dinners, maybe smoothies and stuff. And uh, and that kind of sustained you through your running and all that. And you. You kind of cut the sugars, okay. no sweets and stuff, maybe occasional ice cream or chocolate yeah. here and there, but that was also a big content. Like I said, you know, I mean, tried various things and found out this is what worked best for me. Mm. Right. I mean, without indulging in anything, mm. no processed foods. I mean, I mean, little bit here and there, but I wouldn't say I was like, you know, was very tight and all, but this helped. When I was cutting down my weight, it helped a lot. Mm. And then after some time, when I was trying to rebuild, you know, it was it helped me stay strong and you know keep my running going as well. Right. So it was like take some time for you to find the the mix which suits your uh, activities, your lifestyle, and you know because you have to work mm. and you have the sport and you need energies for all. Right? Right. So you have to be yeah. Like, you should not be the energy levels should not be down. You cannot yeah. Yes. And then suddenly there is one event which you sign up, which comes from nowhere. You have to get in for that event. So it 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 had a mix of all. So you need to it it will take your body some time to find that perfect mix which suits you to you know. It will help you fuel your uh, work as well as your great. So. Uh, and you said from around 2007 to 2017, yeah. we had a fairly good uh, spree of learning yeah. going from 5k to 10k yeah. to half to marathons. Yeah. So, what what was your uh, typical you know, training? What did your typical training look like through everything? So, it was like, I mean, I never used to stretch myself. I used to do three or four halves a year and there used to be one full marathon a year. Oh, that was the target always. Yeah. So that was towards the better weather months. Mm -hmm. Maybe December or January I used to do a plan for a... So I used to start training 16 weeks out mm -hmm. for a full marathon. Right. Generally if it's December or January, by September, October I used to start training for a yes. full marathon and then 16 week was my training period. So based on that, my mileage used to, you know, slowly, slowly it used to increase till we reached the required uh, 
and uh, I used to. This is a gym for occasional, uh, you know, still training. Maybe on mindset, uh, maybe I should have done it more. But anyways, we used to visit it. You know, my wife used to go to the gym for the Zumba classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I used to go with her for occasional those RPM classes or a bit of strength training and all that. And uh, yeah, then this is how it was. Three twice, once or twice gymming, and then every evening used to go out for a run. Place where I live, luckily, was very conducive for all this. My work permitted me to do all this. Otherwise, it would have been difficult. Right. Maybe, you know, in the Aslan Basel kind of uh, situation that you yeah. worked before, yeah. going to Abu Dhabi, maybe that would have been yes. a, a different scenario. Yeah. That was the key yeah. turning point, I would say. Finding that balance between yeah. work and what is yeah. important. Also, you had that wake up call when you, the test exactly. came and said, yeah. Was your ticking time? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice. So, and what uh, were you taking any help in terms of uh, coaching for any stuff, or was not uh, really? Actually, mm-hmm. I picked most of my stuff from the internet and then right. figure out what suits yeah. me. And then, you know, here and there, I used to because we had these clubs as well locally. Mm-hmm. So when we sign up for an event, say for example, there will be two, three guys who will sign up saying, right. So we all you know, used to train together. Train together, yeah. compare notes, this, yeah. what is the, do the long runs together and all yeah. that. Yeah. Excellent. So now for a marathon now, how did you end up being a cyclist? It actually was a, <laughs> almost tragic. <laughs> uh, what happened was after some, say, I think around 2018 or 17, I used to get injured quite often. Because every time I used to train for an event, I increased my mileage, uh, my calves used to collapse. This happened for one year, two years. So I used to train for an event, calves used to give way. Then I ended up uh, going on a couple of hikes. One year I did Kilimanjaro. Uh, next year I did the base camp. Then this happened for a couple of years, and then again the third year the same thing happened. During hikes, I no, hikes are fine. I mean, I couldn't uh, get into yeah, running as much mm. as I wanted. So, I was trying to substitute the running with something else. All right. Yeah, but uh, mm. the third year, I was like, well, this can't keep happening, you know. Then I went back to my, luckily for me, I went back to the same physio. You know? I kept believing in her. Mm. She was <clears throat> very honest and, you know, she was doing her best. But then unluckily, you know, my body was just not uh, putting it. Mm. Uh, we went back to the gym, we hired a trainer, I built my strength, built my core strength. We tried all whatever is possible. Mm. Six months we used to build and then we used, as the mileage increases, again it used to collapse. Mm. So finally she told me, boss, if you want to get back into endurance sports, I would suggest you find an easier sport, which is, you know, which has got less uh, <laughs> impact on your body. Joint. So I would, uh, she was a cyclist herself. So she was a triathlete. So she suggested why you get into cycling. I said, okay, why not? The next week I went and got myself my first cycle. It was a giant D5. This was in 2017. Yeah. 17. Okay. It was a giant D5 and then uh, my wife got it for me actually. She was happy that, you know, I'm going, <laughs> going off running and getting into cycling. So then, yeah, from that time I've been hooked to cycling. Mm-hmm. 
Here and there, when you get into various groups, they always challenge you, you know, to do better or go higher or go faster and, you know, that caught on. Luckily, we have good uh, groups in Hyderabad here. So, that caught on and then I moved back to India during the COVID, after the COVID. First year of COVID, I moved back to India and the groups became, you know, much more relatable and then, then like this, I used to, when the stores caught up, Mm-hmm. Like the TF, TFN was one of my early tours. And I started doing almost three, four tours a year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it keeps me. Nice, nice. So, I, I kind of, you know, like I said, uh, we first met on tour of Neil Gans. And uh, how how did you get to know about TFN and how did you get into that? TFN, again, it was... Uh, I think it was a social media related uh, awareness only. Yeah. I couldn't, I can't recollect exactly who was the trigger, but I remember reading about it in uh, some blog or some post somewhere and then I started researching it. Then I found more details and stuff like that. Then I got in touch with an old classmate of mine in Bangalore. So he also had heard about it. So he put me onto Deepak. He says Deepak was a guy. So then I got in touch with Deepak and then chatted a bit and then signed up. So how was, how was your, it was your first tour Correct. kind of thing. So how was your uh, experience there? What, oh, what do you was, like uh, about It was a kind of a once in a lifetime experience. I mean, that's what got me hooked to, you know, cycle touring as such. Mm-hmm. After, I mean, after that, uh, that has been kind of a benchmark. Mm. So whenever I go on various other tours, I see how relatable they are. It is. It, it wasn't very exciting, even though I was not uh, kind of a noob mm. to cycling at that point of time. I was not sure, you know, how the climbs are done, how you pace yourself on a climb and what you do on a climb, what nutrition goes into your body. Those are all things which I learned on that top. Right. Yeah. Right. Excellent. And then now uh, we are on uh, May, May Hong Son. Yeah. Uh, and this is your second uh, yeah. May Hong Son. Yeah. Uh, were here last year. Yeah. 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 So what what about this tour 
challenging in a very systematic way maybe it's how the routers but i found it to be you know it pushes you to the limit which uh, not many tours can do you know right. i mean it every day is like as if you find something new right that's what makes it a bit more uh, challenging yeah i i kind of it we are on Say we are recording this on the fifth day of the tour. Uh, the first two days were proved up. Uh, more than two days. They set the trend you know, for what's coming. Right. You know, even though you think you know, the rest of the days are going to be much more easier, you'll be surprised. Yeah. There will be always something which hits you out of nowhere. Yeah, there is no <laughs> easy day on this terrain. You can't really, there is no flat section uh, as such. Right? Uh, today, um, is relatively easy uh, you can say but still it has like uh, some 700 800 meters of elevation over 65 kilometers of mostly downhill yeah right so yeah. it is that that is uh, if that is easy you can the, the best part like like you were like you asked me the why i keep coming back is right yeah this part of the world you can you know focus on your cycling struggles without having to ஒரு The, I mean, there was uh, there was some kind of uh, you know road uh, blockage road for just, uh, yeah. dividers so that others uh, you know don't cross out and the as we were climbing there were cars the guys don't honk nothing they're giving you we are going at 5 6 kmph they respect the struggle they know you're struggling they don't add to your pressure right <laughs> we were like it's assigning them to go but they were a little apprehensive to kind of pass you because they end up passing close and they're right. not used to it and i found it really you know that's that means that's what is uh, even for tfn you know you go through some very you know high traffic areas yeah. i mean the respect the cyclist deserves with struggling right you are doing a 10% 12% gradient 
people should respect you for that which is what is lacking in most places right yeah then i found it really uh, amazing and especially this particular loop this mayhaw song loop uh, i kind of understand why the motorcyclists love doing this so it's so such a flowing course they're not like too many hairpin kind of stuff but it is like such a flowing so winding roads up and down winding roads all up and down yeah. and the descents you know as hard as the climbs are the descents are so exhilarating yeah. and enjoyable i mean that's what keeps me going i do all those climbs because of the descents <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome so you um kind of attempted doing them yeah. you have actually done alhatu yeah so how do you kind of compare those i would say they are two different uh, animals actually right i mean uh, it all depends on you no know, again how how is your overall uh, no by time you come to kalhati kalhati in tfn you have done a bit of uh, right yeah, yeah 70 times yeah but here on uh, first day the lead up to it though it's a when you have did the dive fast no the lead up itself is tough right yeah there's a there's a, a good 20 km climb 20 25 km climb before you actually hit the main joint yeah. on the which itself is a 15 16% right so you know <laughs> it takes a lot from you to go to the last yeah i mean uh, that's up to you and bala for doing it but uh, yeah i mean it was so uh, in my case actually i told myself dan kalhati this is actually shorter maybe less steeper which is a lie actually because if you look at kalhati it is from base to top it is 11.5 kilometers and at 10% 1150 meters that is it okay but when you come to joint now actually you were climb your start climbing started much before right. although even for kalhati you ride to from sultanbatheri yeah. whatever you you climb a little bit ride yeah. a lot it's not as hard as the lead up to the joint now exactly. because the lead up to joint now 20 25 kilometers of climb with lot of steep pitches that are continuously going and you got come to the base and then that 9 kilometers and 9.8% whatever is actually not that because there are some fairly 4 5% sections that means that there are sections that are like 15 yeah. 16% that are like continuous and they i mean to be honest i was lying to myself saying this is easier than kalhati and all that and because that otherwise i would have probably stopped yes. right? i mean it, uh, it it i mean it, the entire thing is built in such a way that you know it's actually rigged for failure yeah i mean it is very it is, it is a tough it is a tough yeah. one yeah I, i mean i'm glad that i was able to oh yeah get over it it's of uh, yeah that, i mean that is one thing that kind of started the uh, this tour on a right motor and i'm really enjoying the entire course and the terrain is such a beautiful especially today's ride i was like i was feeling i it took me back 10 12 years back when i was in vermont okay 
mountains both sides and the kind of uh, hues of red yeah. and stuff in the mountain it's always was like then we get to a valley and then again come it's always you know a valley based uh, amazing me back uh, to all those years of uh, riding the landscape was just stunning uh, just add to your peace and you know that the kind of camouflage you struggle right. even though you're struggling you just look up and see the the landscape okay you for a moment you forget the struggle and then you continue yeah. so uh, and you you kind of uh, now enjoying the uh, cycling enjoying the uh, aspect of touring and stuff what uh, what is there on your kind of uh, bucket list for the coming year or two there are a couple of uh, peaks Which are there, mm-hmm. and most of them are, in, you know, what do you call the cyclists' uh, dream. Mm-hmm. They're based in France, and which I hope to do someday, maybe this year or next year. Next couple of years, I hope to get there as well. Let's see yeah. if the entire uh, the system keeps going and the body is good enough. Shall I do it one day? Good, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's actually quite inspiring to see you and others uh, ride so strong. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I'm sure that we will do bucket list as items. We do it together. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. In tr- 2019, we went to uh, uh, these Dolomites. Yeah. Oh, that is beautiful. I'm sure. Thing. I mean, like the majestic setting. What of, part is? What time of the year is it? Ah, uh, July. Uh, uh, something like that. It was one of the best uh, experiences, most memorable experiences. Something like this. That is what uh, the kind of spotting. I'm not not able to do at you. I mean, at your pace no, or level, but I hope that didn't. No, but definitely, you know. All of us uh, can do at our own pace. Correct. I was when when I was climbing uh, the uh, those uh, you know Dolomites those hills. A sixty-year-old grandma was passing me like I was standing yeah. still. Right? You know, it's all relative. They're right? all yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's all. We don't know what to Correct. Oh, yeah, I mean, we, we each of us have yeah. our own journeys, and each of us. We have our own uh, struggles. We have to take the life at our own pace. So, yeah, I'm, um, let's uh, hope to write more uh, together. Definitely, and maybe some of them bucket list items yeah. uh, tick off together. We'll so, do that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Uh, Thanks, Vinky. Thanks for having me. Anytime.